When I first came across the work of Barbara Hewson, I was in a book club, and her book, Overcoming Underearning, had been chosen for the month. I am not an underearner, I said, lobbying that we read one of the other five books she'd written instead. But luckily, Grace intervened, and by chapter two, I realized that even though my income was well over six figures at that time, I was still under-earning. You can make six figures and be an under-earner, and you can make far less and not be. Under-earning never feeds your soul. It is always an act of deprivation, and not just of money, but of time, of choices, of freedom, and most of all, of self-esteem. Hewson has devoted decades to empowering women as a financial therapist, wealth coach, and author. In her latest book, Rewire for Wealth, I spoke with her about the three steps every woman can take, and no, they won't always feel easy, to step out of their financial fog and program their brain for financial success. I'm Barbara Hewson, and this is a lesson on rewiring for wealth. What is your earliest memory of being creative? I was probably in second grade because I knew how to write, maybe first. And I wrote a story about a tea kettle that came alive and all the cups came alive and I read it to my mother and she laughed she had just had an accident had surgery on her nose and she couldn't stop laughing and it hurt her so much but she kept <laughs> laughing and I think that's when I knew I wanted to be a writer I love that it's so beautiful how did you come to write about women's finances I have a line in one of my books in your deepest pain lies your highest purpose. And money was always, well, it wasn't always a source of pain. In fact, I was raised in a wealthy family and my father, whenever I asked him about money, always said, don't worry. Well, I didn't worry. And I loved that advice until I found out that my husband, who was a stockbroker, was a compulsive gambler. And he lost a fortune of my inheritance. And I think that experience along with me being a journalist, plus my master's degree in counseling psychology. It's like they all came together for me to realize that I am here, that my, God put me on this planet, gave me my wealthy parents, gave me my gambling husband so I can help women financially. One of the things that I learned from your books was that women couldn't have a credit card until 1975. They couldn't have a credit card in their own name without a man's signature. I lost my mind when I read that. I take for granted that I can have my own credit card or line of credit or have a mortgage all by myself without anybody else. In Sacred Success, which is one of my favorite books of yours, you talk about Bella Abzug and how women will change the nature of power rather than power changing the nature of women. I realized very early in my work with women and wealth is that women's issues with money have very little, if anything, to do with money. And it has everything to do with their fear of or ambivalence about power. Because women don't understand power from a feminine perspective. And in my definition, a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, 
who knows what she wants and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So essentially, our fear of power is our fear of becoming all of who we're meant to be, mm. to, you know, to really shining our light in the world instead of dimming ourselves down so we don't make waves. And for the patriarchy, men see power as power over. Mm-hmm. We don't. For us, power is power with. Mm-hmm. We're, we are collaborative. We, we are. are all about power with. Do you think, though, that part of the claiming of the power and claiming of the wealth is fear-based? Because we can be, in the sense of, we can be killed, we can be violently attacked. That's normally how women are threatened when they achieve power in our culture. What? How do you speak to that? But I remember interviewing a psychologist who specialized in financial matters. And I asked her, why are women so afraid of their power? And she said to me something that gave me full body chills. She said, powerful women have been burned at the stake. Yes. And I believe it is in our collective unconsciousness that we have this fear of being punished or having catastrophic outcomes if we are powerful. But in order to create wealth, in order to make a difference in the world, we have to become a container that can attract sustain and grow our money. And that's what's required of us. Mother Teresa said, it takes a checkbook to change the world. (laughs) And it's so true. Mm. So you talk about the concepts of being metaphysical. Metaphysical. That is the, the work I do combines the practical with the spiritual. And I believe, because for me, getting becoming financially savvy and financially successful for me was very much a practical process but it's also a spiritual practice there's something that happens when you bring spirit into your conversation about money it turns the whole process into a healing journey a rite of passage into our power they say that the journey from zero to six figures you become one woman the journey from six to seven figures, you become another woman. And it's not about the zeros. It is about that spiritual journey. What would you say to someone who's having trouble connecting those dots? How could they begin to access the spiritual conversation in terms of their finances? There's essentially three levels of financial development. There's survival, stability, affluence. Survival is not enough. Stability is just enough. And affluence is more than enough. To go from survival to stability, you must have a profit motive. Profit, money's a good thing. You like money. It's good. <laughs> it's wonderful. Sometimes you like it. Yes. Normally at that level, you don't like it or you have fear about it. or you I, have- to, to go from survival to stability, to get out of survival, you must have a profit motive. You right. must like respect and appreciate money but to go from stability to affluence you still profit profit is not the primary goal it's still an intended outcome you want to make money no question but the primary goal of going from stability to affluence is greatness and i define greatness as that place where your deep this is 
paraphrasing a, a quote by Fred Buchner. It's that place where your deep gladness, doing what God put you on this earth to do, meets the world's deep hunger. Where does the soul come in if we're going to talk about the spirituality? Is the soul part of the mind in your in, in this? Yes. So there's only two emotions, hmm. only two. And the ego is the voice of fear, and the soul is the voice of love. And your thoughts, where do are they coming from? That's one of the things where when I talk about the steps, notice are my thoughts coming from fear or are they coming from love? If they're coming from fear, we want to change them to love. And that's when you go from survival to stability is all about the practical, very much. I mean, the spiritual is still in there, but what happens is the practical is still important, but the spiritual becomes more important in creating wealth. I love all of your books. The first one I started with was Secrets of Six-Figure Women. That was the first one I got. And then I went to, it was a part of a book club to read Overcoming Under Earning. And I got really mad. I was like, I don't need to read that book. I was like, I, I'm not reading that book. I'm not an under earner. I was determined at that point. Uh, and I begrudgingly read the book. And then I was like, oh, I'm an under earner <laughs> because we have a cap. We all have an income cap, regardless of how much money you make. And you have an exercise in there where you take us through different levels. And I was like, oh, okay, I have a cap. <laughs> an under earner is anyone who needs or desires to earn more but despite her efforts, can't. You know, anyone who says, I wish I made more money, but is an under earner. So you can make six figures and be an under earner and you can make far less and not be. I have three daughters, one's a stay at home mom, but one's a farmer and one's a journalist. They, they are not high earners, but they're not under earners. They make, they make enough to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. And they're doing what they love because it feeds their soul. Under-earning never feeds your soul. It is always an act of deprivation and not just of money, but of time, of choices, of freedom, and most of all, of self-esteem. So when we're rewiring our brains for wealth, which is the topic of your new book, you give a three-step formula that looks at the neural circuitry of the brain and how to change it. Are we looking at going to stability or going to affluence, or is it all three that can be covered with that book's work? Oh, everything. I mean, it's all the depends where you are. Our brain, which is a physical organ in our body, controls our behavior. Everything we do, inhaling, exhaling, saving, spending, is controlled by our brain. Our mind is a non-physical entity, the source of thoughts and feelings. And what flows through the mind is what shapes the brain. So if you want to change your behavior, it's really, really challenging to change your behavior unless without changing your brain first. And the way you change your brain is by changing your thoughts and feelings. And so I created over a period of six or seven years, a three-step formula for training your mind to rewire your brain for wealth, well-building and whatever else you want. Simple, simple steps that take massive effort at the beginning. The steps are recognize, reframe and respond differently recognize remember everything we do comes from our brain and our brain is shaped by our thoughts if there's something you want to change 
notice the thoughts behind it. Just recognize it. But you have to recognize these and observe these thoughts a certain way. You recognize the thought, oh, I'm not enough. Or there's never enough. Mm-hmm. Or I'm so stupid. You recognize that thought with curiosity, not with criticism, not with judgment. Oh, isn't that interesting? I am having a thought about not being enough. I am having a thought about being stupid. I am having a thought there's never enough. So when you can when you can observe with curiosity, say something like, oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> and then say, I am having a thought. What you do is you separate yourself from the thought because the thought isn't true. Right. Just something that's going through our head. So you recognize it, then you reframe it. And you ask yourself, how can I see this differently? Mm-hmm. And basically what you're doing is how can I see this through the eyes of love? instead of the eyes of fear. My thought that seems to be so present, and I've been working on it when I started writing this book, is I don't have what it takes. I don't Mm. have what it takes. So I started to do this project and I saw it come up again. And I got, okay, I'm going to rewire that. Isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought about I don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. So I reframed it. And there's a thousand ways to reframe, but I reframed it I can handle this. Now, do I believe it? Do you believe it in the beginning? <laughs> no, but you didn't believe that there's there's never enough in the beginning either. You mm. just kept repeating you it. Learned enough. it. That's right. All rewiring is unlearning the thoughts that don't serve you, mm-hmm. so you can we can program into your brain thoughts that serve you. Recognize the thought, you reframe it, but it's not enough to change your behavior unless you do the third step, which is respond differently. Do what doesn't feel right. Do what you think, this isn't me, this isn't me. Those are all signs that you are rewiring your brain. This receptive surrender, because you kind of have to give in to this new way of being when you are responding differently. Can you talk a little bit about that in there? So I talk about this in my book, Sacred Success. Mm. And Sacred Success is all about living your greatness. When it's time for you to live your greatness, you get what I call the call to greatness. You start feeling some shape of unhappy, things that go wrong, you're not, you're frustrated, you're anxious, you're bored. All these are signs, stop what you're doing. A lot of people walking around, especially after this 2020, walking around frustrated, unhappy, and I think COVID, the effects of COVID are many, but one of it for us is it forcing us to reconsider our life and are we going in the direction we need to go? And and the, the thing to do when you get the call, when you realize, hmm, I need to make some changes, whether you want to or not, the universe tells you time to make a change. What you need to do is step back in receptive surrender to get quiet because the idea is to tune into your soul. And in order to hear our soul, we must be quiet. Our soul needs stillness. Our ego, our ego, which is telling you you're not enough. You must do this. You should do this. It's so, it's so loud. It's screaming at you. So you need to get quiet to see what your soul has to tell you. Did this book come out of quiet for you? I got the call about six years ago. I love what I do. And I've done, I've been doing financial empowerment for women for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And about five or six years ago, I started feeling 
something's missing. I went into a massive self-doubt that something's missing and I could be better. It, it just So I stood back. I said, what's going on? So I took things off my plate. I went into receptive surrender and I said, am I supposed to be done working or is there something missing that I need to know? And one day in this state of receptive surrender, I was just looking at my email and there was a article about neuroscience and I knew nothing about neuroscience, nothing. Mm. I read this article and I swear, I feel like my brain lit up like a slot machine and said, <laughs> this is the missing piece. That's how I started weaving neuroscience into my work along with spirituality and psychology and personal finance to create a whole new body of work. A lot of people separate science from spirituality. And the further we come along this particular journey, the more that people realize that they are intertwined. Myself too, in my work, I feel called a lot of the time to find the proof, the left brain factual proof of what my soul knows to be true. And I think that's part of being a midwife in this, a midwife of spirituality and to women in this moment is to be able to, to help them from the masculine to the feminine, which is what they already know, but give their left brain some proof. I did a challenge, a rewire for wealth challenge just recently. It was a five-day challenge. And I took a large group of women, a very large group of women through the three steps. And it's amazing. And in just a week, now it takes a lot more than a week to reprogram your brain and change your behavior on a permanent basis. But it's amazing how quickly your brain will respond to your changing thoughts. And for example, one woman who was, she's in her 50s, terrified, terrified of running out of money, terrified. And she has ulcers and her, she just, the, the terror has created some real chaos in her life. Just by watching her thoughts, just by looking when there's, whenever she thinks there's never enough, she said for the first time, she has slept through the night. Mm -hmm. For the first time, she got up and she could go out and buy a latte without <laughs> without worrying. Oh. I mean, yes, it had gotten so obsessive mm -hmm. that we can improve our lives by shifting our thoughts. And you said it takes time. How much time would well, you it say? It depends on how committed and vigilant you are. But basically anywhere from 10 days to a month, to three months, to four months, it depends on how really how really disciplined you are about your thinking. And it's really difficult in the beginning because when you try to shift your thoughts, what happens is your brain does not like it. Your brain does not want to change and your brain will scream, stop that, stop that, go back to the old ways. Plus every thought releases these neurotransmitters or chemicals. And we actually get, our body gets addicted to these chemicals. So when we stop thinking those thoughts, say of nervousness and fear and shift to ones of love, we stop releasing this, the cortisol, let's say, and start releasing another. And our body, we actually go through detox and every one of us wants to go back. Mm. And whenever we're tired or we're stressed, 
we just automatically go back to the neural pathway that offers the least resistance. So it takes massive effort. So if you're willing to put in the effort to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat those three steps over and over again, it's amazing how quickly it will change. I've never heard it put that way before that it's detox. And that gives it a whole new perspective because it raises the stakes immensely. And it also, I think, would give you solace to know that it's not supposed to feel good at first. Oh, no. It oh, does no. not, right? If it feels good, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right, if it feels normal, right. you're doing it wrong. <laughs> right. If you keep doing the same things you always do, what do they say? You right. keep getting what you always get. So That's right. I have a the sign here, scare yourself every day. Mm. Because that's the key to success. That's the key to going to the next level in your life. I don't care if it's losing more weight or earning more money. Success always lies just outside our comfort zone. So the number one requirement for rewiring is the willingness to be uncomfortable. What do you hope women take from this book? How much power they have to create the life that they want. How much power, how much is in their control, how absolutely much, how their thinking is so powerful. The creative power of thought is mind-boggling. And then when you can shift your thinking, you actually rewire your brain and your behavior will change. And there's nothing, there is nothing you can't do. You had a name change during this, this book marks the new name for you. And I was so curious about that because you have a brand that is attached to your past name. So tell me why the name change? Why now? I got married nine, eight years ago. For the second time. Third time. Third time. Okay. So you got rid of the stockbroker. I got rid of the gambler. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got rid of the abuser. Oh, good. I decided no more men. <laughs> right. And I, and That's I, where I am. I, no more men. <laughs> I'm there. Yep. Watch what you say. All right. I, I met this most amazing man, a most amazing man. And I we got married and I didn't change my name for two years. My name was Barbara Stanny. And one day I was just staring out the window. And I thought, why am I carrying the name of a man, my second husband, who was never happy with me, ever? And I married a man who, at the, after our first date, he said he was walked out of his car when the next morning. He heard a voice that said, you are here to love, appreciate, and support Barbara. Mm. And that was 13 years ago. And he has oh. said that to me every single day. And I changed my name and I was thinking, okay, I can change it to all kinds of names. I can make up a name. I don't know what my father's name. That's another man who didn't appreciate me. Mm. But I thought, I want to change it to Houston because through his eyes, seeing myself through his eyes, I grew to love myself so much more. Mm. And so I, Houston to me, changing my name is really an act of love. It's an act of self-love. It's an act of love for my husband. Hmm. And what happened? What did your publisher say? <laughs> what did your publisher, was your publisher okay with that? Well, I changed a long time before this book. Okay. So, so okay. I changed it before this book, but so I was Barbara Houston when 
I submitted it. And my agent thought, no, no, she, your publisher is going to want to print it under Barbara Stanley. But she didn't. She said, fine. Good. Can you complete the sentence? My wish for every other woman is that they won't need my services ever again. You have all of the answers when you ask the right questions. Be visible. Speak your truth. Every other woman needs you to lead. Voice Lessons is produced, written, and spoken by me, Kim Cutable. It's also produced and edited by Sergio Miranda and associate produced by Jessica Manalga. Our music was created by singer-songwriter Claire Hamill. You can find out when we post new episodes when you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And if you liked what you've heard, we would love it if you leave us a review. For other inspiration, updates, and show notes, subscribe at voicelessonspodcast.com.